this last yesterday, I was, I was at home. I was working on my message all day and also on Christmas Eve. And I texted Trevor Hollenbeck, who is our IT director, and he's in here playing drums a little bit ago. And I just asked him a question about today, and he got back to me really, really quickly. And I said, well, I hope you're having a good day. And he sent me this picture, and I'd forgotten that he went to Portland, Ikea, because uh, Trevor is actually going to be married in about a month. And he's getting ready. Yeah, he's getting ready for his house and everything. And the, the funny thing, while I was doing that, while I was texting him, I was thinking about Joseph and Mary and all that they were doing to prepare for the wedding. You know, we, we think about the story starting with that angel, but, uh, you know, it started before the angel ever visited Mary and, and ever visited Joseph. And I think that's important for us to remember because, you know, these are real people, and they were really excited about their life together. And, and you know, think about that and remember as they were preparing for a life together, which is just full of excitement and anticipation. Then the angel came. A couple of years ago, one of our living nativities, we, we broke down the geography between Luke's story and Matthew's story. And, and it's, it's fascinating. It's it just really, really interesting. Luke, you know, tells us the story from Mary's perspective. And, and Mary was in Nazareth. And Matthew tells us about Joseph's story, uh, which he, he lived 80 miles away in Bethlehem, 80 miles. And this is really important for us because usually we kind of put the two stories together, we mash them together, and we come up with kind of this continuous narrative, and we think that Mary and Joseph, they lived in the same town, and, you know, we imagine right after the angel went to Mary that, you know, she just went a couple doors down straight over to Joseph and, you know, I told him about the visit and the whole thing. That's not how it happened. Luke tells us Mary's hometown is in Nazareth, and, and this is really important. Matthew t focuses on Joseph and his story in Bethlehem, and that's 80 miles away. So while Mary was in Nazareth, she was waiting, she was planning, she was anticipating, she was dreaming about their life together, and, and Joseph was 80 miles away doing the same thing, kind of like Trevor, you know, going to Ikea. That's the background for this story. Would you hear the words from Luke chapter 1? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by these words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and you'll bear a son and you'll name him Jesus. He will be great. You'll be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. So Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. 
And now your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary and Joseph were 80 miles apart when this happened. But their dreams would have been similar. Like I said, you know, Joseph in Bethlehem, Mary in Nazareth, anticipating, dreaming about their wedding. Gospel of Mark tells us that, that Joseph was a tecton, which is kind of like a skilled laborer, not like a master craftsman, but he was a skilled worker. It could be, a, a, we, we assume, carpenter, but it could have been a, a variety of things, uh, but a tecton. So that, to me, that means he was excited about building a home for his wife, excited about their future, kind of like they say, going to Ikea. And Mary was doing the same thing, just excited about having a family and their time together. I mean, I've had so many weddings over the years, and, and you know, the couple is just excited about the future. It wasn't anything out of the ordinary, except the beauty of this relationship at this moment until the angel visited Mary. Luke tells us this angel said she's going to have a baby, Gabriel, and he had announced to her cousin Elizabeth that she was going to have a baby as well. And this is more important than we realize. Uh, you know, we kind of skip Elizabeth's story with John the Baptist, baby John the Baptist. Repent. Where? <laughs> I've had a lot of coffee. But if you pay attention to the details, the story, it really gets interesting when you start thinking about Elizabeth's story as well. So traditionally, Mary's cousin Elizabeth, she lives in a town called Ein Karim, which is four miles from Bethlehem, but nine days travel from Nazareth, where Mary's at. And the first thing Mary does after this angel visits her, she travels to see her cousin, Elizabeth. And, and all alone, now most you know, girls back then were married somewhere between 12 years old or so. It was, the point was as soon as they could have babies. So this little girl Mary, 12, maybe 14, you know, she finds out she's pregnant. She leaves her home. She walks nine days all by herself to see her cousin Elizabeth. And she stays there for three months, her first trimester, in Ein Karim. Like I say, that's like nine to ten days' walk from Mary's hometown, but it's only four miles from Joseph's town of Bethlehem is the point. Four miles. So right after she came up pregnant, first trimester, three months, she leaves her family in Nazareth to stay with her cousin who lives four miles from Joseph. I think it's safe for us to read into this story some things. I think she and Joseph most likely had more than several conversations while she lived four miles away. 
Here's how Matthew kind of sums up that three months. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, Mary was found to be child with the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. I don't think Mary planned on staying with her cousin in Ein Karim for three months. I mean, think about this. Angel announces the birth to her, and in response, you know, we, we heard Mary proclaim, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. I am blessed for what God is doing in my life. She's excited. I bet she assumed this was going to be an easy journey. This is God's will. No stress. God's in charge. I'm just doing his will. I'm playing my part. God is going to take care of me through Joseph. My family, they're going to support me. Joseph's family are going to be so proud of us. The whole community will come together and help me through this. I'm blessed. Twelve-year-old Mary discovers she's pregnant and she walks nine days all alone. She meets her cousin Elizabeth, who finds out she had her own visit with an angel. She's going to have a baby as well. I mean, the more confirmation. God's at work right here. Then she walks these four miles to Joseph, tells him about the angel's visit, tells him she's going to have a baby. I mean, how do you think that conversation went, really? I really don't think that's what Mary had expected. Again, Matthew sums it all up. When Mary was found to be child with the Holy Spirit, her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. There is so much going on in that verse, right? I think it was a very long three months. I mean, of course Joseph wouldn't have believed her. Virginal conception? Really? I mean, if he believed it, he would never have planned to dismiss her, right? At some point, though, during those three months, Matthew tells us Joseph had his own experience with the angel Gabriel, and he learned what God was doing in a dream but I bet they had a lot of conversation before the angel ever made it to Joseph. And I think that life that Joseph and Mary dreamed about, I think it was gone by then. Mary discovered Joseph was not an easy sell. And time was ticking away. There must have been in that three-month period moments for Mary and days for Mary when she looked back and she watched down the road for Joseph to come visit her. Can you imagine her disappointment? This isn't how it was supposed to go, God. When God calls, you know, we expect this journey is just going to be a piece of cake, right? I mean, we expect God's going to smooth the plan for us. If we just say yes, everything's going to go without hitch. And because that's the goal, right? A life that just is smooth sailing. 
a life with no problems, no drama. And that's what happens when we accept Christ, right? That you know, we're just going to, everything's going to go fine. And we walk out in the street, a car's just going to go straight through us, not even leave a scratch. It's usually kind of the opposite. The more you pursue Christ, the more difficult things often get. Because if you follow Jesus, you will clash with the ways of the world. It's inevitable. I mean, following Jesus, it forces us to reevaluate just about everything. Jesus calls us to change. And so often, we, we try to soften that down, right? And, and we, we try to make it sound less scary, but, but, you know, Jesus calls us to change. And we know change is difficult. And even scarier, the story of Mary's first trimester tells us when you follow God's call, there's going to be times when you're going to have to step out in faith. And you're going to rely on faith and faith alone to get you through. I mean, Mary said yes to God. She stepped out on faith. And I'm sure she expected everyone else would do the same thing. She left her home. She left her family. She left her mom. She stayed with her cousin for three months, four miles from Joseph. And I'm sure more than once, she looked back on that conversation with the angel and she thought, did that even happen? Was that just a dream? I mean, think about 12-year-old pregnant Mary. God, what is going on? Joseph, Joseph wants to call off the marriage. This is still your plan, isn't it? Don't leave me hanging. When we have to step out on faith, that's when our faith really deepens. When we have to rely on faith and faith alone. Because we want proof, right? And, and, and we don't want to have to go down that stepping out and expecting that type of fat path. We want security. We want proof. That wasn't Mary's experience at all. It took three months for Joseph to come around. And I bet those were the hardest three months Mary ever experienced in her short life. I bet she questioned everything. And following God's call it is not going to take you further into your comfort zone. Ever. It, it's not easy. It's not painless. I mean, think about Jesus' story. His life was anything but easy and painless, and his call took us to a, him to a Roman cross. And we're called to follow. God doesn't promise to take us out of the valley of the shadow of suffering. God promises to walk through that valley with us, and he will even carry us if need be. But be clear, following Jesus doesn't mean we get a get-out-of-suffering-free card. 
Following God's call doesn't mean things are always going to work out exactly like we think they should. But Mary saying yes to the angel, I mean, I'm sure she thought her dreams would be fulfilled and then some. And I'm thinking after Mary talked to Joseph that first time, she started to downsize and reevaluate her dreams and expectations. And I'm pretty sure in those three long months, she just eventually just hoped for a wedding. I mean, just a, a hurry-up wedding, if you know what I mean, being spared of the shame. Can you imagine how confused she would be? She tells Joseph the angel's news, and he wants out? God, I said, yes, you are supposed to take care of the rest of this, including support for my family and my friends. Can you imagine how she felt when Joseph, Joseph just walked away and left her alone, saying he was going to call it all off? So I said, eventually the angel goes to Joseph, and then he decides to take Mary as his wife, and they raise the child as his own, and they do have a hurry-up wedding. I mean, that's definitely some relief. But the story's not over, right? Joseph would have had to announce to his family what was going on. I've been part of that more than once. And even if he didn't tell them that his bride was already pregnant, that's kind of the thing that people figure out. I mean, next, Mary and Joseph, they, they would have made this nine-day trip from Bethlehem to Nazareth for her family. And the wedding, like I said, was quickly thrown together. They're married. You can safely estimate Mary around five months pregnant at that point when they're married. And Luke says they stay in Nazareth. And again, there's a clue here. And it helps us to understand some of the details if we really pause. Because culturally, after a marriage, the, the couple's expected in that culture to move in with the husband's family until they can afford their own place in the Ikea bill. And so that means Mary and Joseph, they should have gone back to Bethlehem to live with Joseph's family after they were married, but they didn't. Mary's five months pregnant. They don't move in with Joseph's family. I don't think the hurry-up wedding sat very well with his family. They were righteous after all. So in the middle of all of this stress, in Nazareth, at least Mary has her mother, right, to help her through the pregnancy. So they travel the nine days, like I say, back to Nazareth, and they stay awaiting the child, and that all changes in the ninth month of her pregnancy. And we know the story. Roman soldiers arrive, and they announce the emperor is going to hold a census. And all of the Jewish families, they all have to return to their hometowns. And this, a perfect explanation for this, same as taxes, right? It's taxes. Everyone has to return to their local location of their family's estate so they can assess the wealth right there. And Joseph's from Bethlehem, and so they have to go back. 
What do you think nine months pregnant Mary was feeling as she went back to Bethlehem once more? And really, you know, the trip's normally about a nine to ten day trip, but I haven't done it nine months pregnant. I mean, you know. And she didn't know a midwife in Bethlehem. We don't know for sure how this couple stood with Joseph's family, but we do know when they get there, they can't stay, right? Because there's no room in the inn. They have to sleep with the animals in the stable where she's going to give birth. What do you think Mary's prayer at this point would have been? I think it was a little different than when the angel first greeted her and she said, you know, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my favor because he has done great things for me is what she's saying, right? In the Magnificat. I'm thinking the hormones and the stress of it all. She had a little bit different prayer as she traveled to Bethlehem. But I'm sure in the midst of her tears, her prayer went, you know, God, 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 how, what are you doing? How could you do this? You asked me to bear this child. I agreed. Remember I said, here I am, the handmaiden of the Lord. I, I took on the shame. I gave up my dream for a perfect marriage. We rushed through the wedding. I ignored the looks. I ignored the whispers. I can't even have my baby in Nazareth at this point. I have to give birth in a stable, all because of Romans and taxation. What is going on? Have you ever felt that way? Toward your family, toward your friends, toward God. I mean, so disappointed, you can't even cry. Gospels are pretty quiet on Mary's emotions, honestly. But, but I, I, like I say, I think it's safe to assume a nine-month pregnant girl endured everything she could at that point. She couldn't even control the place she was going to have her baby. I mean, her mom was forced to stay back because she had to stay for the census as well. We know how this works because we've all experienced it on some level. We think we're in control. And then the bottom falls out. Your spouse comes home, tells you they're done. And that's bad enough, but then you have to raise your kids alone. Or you receive a pink slip at work. Or you learn your spouse is terminal. Maybe it's aging. The years go by fast. Mary teaches us God brings beauty from the ashes. As this young girl endured setback after setback after setback on this journey toward the night that Jesus was born in the manger in Bethlehem, there is a deeper meaning than she ever could have recognized if she hadn't experienced all of those letdowns. God used every one of those events, every single one of these events for his purposes. 
He forced it all to do His will. Mary couldn't see it at the time, and we can't either. But when things are at their darkest, that's when hope is being born. This is when light is entering into the darkness, even in the midst of the Roman cross, right? Because Roman greed, Jesus is born in Bethlehem. I mean, this is where the prophets have foretold the, the, the Savior of the world would be born. Luke says, when they finally reached Bethlehem, he says, while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. We don't know if she was already in labor. Maybe they had several days beforehand. Nobody knows, right? But they had to find a place to stay. And, and see, translated, this really does mean they couldn't stay with Joseph's family. Humble stable. The place where animals live, where animals eat, where animals sleep, where animals do that too. It had to have been hard. I mean, giving birth to a child after this whole journey, can you imagine her thoughts in between contractions? This wasn't how it's supposed to be. The journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem reminds us, reminds us in the midst of hardship, when our dreams aren't coming out as we had planned them, when we have lost and given up our plans and, and our hopes are smashed and dashed, God is at work in the most profound ways. I mean, this could never have been the scene that Mary had envisioned nine months back when she had this angel visit her. But in the midst of her unmet expectations, God was at work redeeming the world. God was forcing these circumstances for his purposes. I mean, every one of us, we're going to take unexpected, unwanted journeys, things we never wanted to do. And we're all going to dream of how this thing's supposed to happen, but it doesn't usually go that way. Cancer's going to happen. Addictions will occur. The economy is uncertain. I mean, you know, spouses leave, kids don't do what we want them. Life is full of disappointment. Sorrow and pain are realities. But Mary's story is like so many stories in the Bible where we learn that God is walking with us in the midst of the unexpected visits, in the midst of the unexpected turns. And even more amazing, God not only walks with us through those things, but God brings beauty from the worst situation possible. Because we're all going to go on these journeys, right? But God will always walk through them with us. God will redeem these situations in ways we could never foresee. And God's always where, there in ways we never, ever would expect. What do you think as Mary walked that stable that night in the midst of contractions, she ever thought angels would appear singing? Do you think as she suffered this embarrassment of laying her brand new baby to sleep in a feeding trough, that these shepherds would come and tell her that they had been visited by the angel? And then later the magi would appear. I mean, hope was born in the midst of all of this. God brought hope into Mary's world. And hope is still here today. Regardless of how discouraged we are, how difficult the last couple years have been, hope is here because Jesus' birth is here. 
That's a timeless truth. God brings light in the midst of darkness. God births hope. And sometimes things I've, uh, over the years, I, I, I just, I've learned this. Hope is a decision so often. Hope is a choice. Because we're going to be faced with the adversities. We're going to be faced with life's difficulties and the heartaches and the disappointments and the pain. But we can choose hope in the midst of those things and it will be born. I mean, right, right in the midst of it all, hope was born with Mary that night. And this was her story. This was Jesus' story. This is our legacy. This is our calling. When we're on those journeys that we would never choose, life's circumstances, sometimes, you know, they come from decisions we've made. I've sure done that. But sometimes they come from decisions others have made for us. But when we're faced with those things, regardless of the imperative, we might feel abandoned, and we might feel confused, and we might feel alone, and we might remember this is where Mary was, as God was doing the most profound work ever. Mary is feeling all of those emotions on her journey to the manger, that she found the same truth that you will find and I will find as well. God does never abandon us on the journey. God does not leave us behind. God does not leave us alone. And it might take years until we look back finally and we see back on the journey how clearly it was that God was working in the midst of our disappointments and accomplishing His purposes. The story of the journey of Jesus' manger teaches us God, His most profound work is done in the midst of the journeys we don't want. I don't know what you're facing right now. I mean, we all are right now, right? On some level. We may be facing difficulties. I don't know. But if you aren't right now, you're going to, regardless of the journey. Can you decide to choose hope? Can you decide to choose Jesus? I mean, if you do, God will take that disappointment and God will take that pain and God will take your tragedy and, and bring beauty from the ashes in ways you would never see coming. This is hope, right? It's a candle that we just lit. This is, this is what kept Mary going on the journey from the Annunciation all the way to the cross. Mary was there. Where are you on your journey? If we choose hope, it births. And if we offer the circumstance to God, a resurrection will come. Lord, we thank you on this day for hope. We thank you for birth. We thank you for possibility potential. We thank you for your presence, even in the darkest of tombs, that you can bring forth light, that even in the midst of a cross, that you can bring forth life that we would never foresee. We offer our disappointments and our tragedies and we exchange them for your hope. 
In your son's name we pray, amen.